Well, I am excited to start this new series today called How to Know When You Grow. Because growth is a weird thing. Any kind of growth. And I'm not just talking about, you know, getting more mature, taller, or whatever. I mean, any kind of growth is kind of a weird thing because every one of us knows things grow. Like, that's not shocking, right? We all know things grow. That's why in the spring and summer, some of you end up mowing your yards like twice a week. Um, we've all clipped our fingernails because they were just getting too long to stand it. Um, you've cut your hair because it was getting a little shaggy or a little longer than what you uh, wanted it to get. Okay, so we all have, we all know things grow, okay? Um, many of you, you bought shoes for your kids, billions and billions of shoes for your kids because their feet wouldn't stay the same size for one stinking school year, right? So we know things grow, not a shocker. But here's the thing, I've never seen anything grow. I've never watched anything and been like, saw my grass go, whoop. I've never looked down at my fingernails and saw them shoot out of my hand. Uh, I've never watched my hair grow. And if, I, if it, I ever did, it's been a long time since I've watched my hair grow, right? So I've never, though I know things grow, I've never actually seen anything grow. And that is such a strange and weird thing about growth. And it, this isn't, again, this isn't a shocking truth to anybody, but growth is usually imperceptibly slow. And oftentimes it can be very frustrating when things grow as slowly as they do. I remember on my eighth birthday, this was, I don't remember a lot of my birthdays growing up for whatever reason, um, but I remember this one. I woke up on my eighth birthday and I was excited because I thought, oh, I'm eight today. I wonder what I look like because I'm not a seven-year-old anymore. I'm an eight-year-old. And this memory is so burned into my brain, I still can picture it. I ran into my mom and dad's bedroom. They had a full-length mirror on the back of the bathroom door. And I was wearing a like, huge, oversized Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Uh, it was the size of a t-shirt that if you took the Mickey Mouse off of it, it looked like something Ebenezer Scrooge would sleep in, you know, like, like the sleeping dress type of thing. But I, I had the Mickey Mouse on there, and I ran into the mirror, and I just went, <sighs> and like, I was so disappointed. Like, I was supposed to be an eight-year-old now, but I looked just like the seven-year-old from the day before. I wasn't supposed to be a little seven-year-old boy. I was supposed to be a new and reborn eight-year-old man. And I looked the same, and it was so discouraging. Why? Because growth happens slowly. Now, technically, did I probably grow overnight? Yeah. I was probably, you know, that much taller or whatever, and my hair probably grew and all that, but, but I didn't know it. I couldn't see it. It was imperceptible to my eyes. That's how growth is most of the time. I mean, but if it's so slow, then how does it ever happen, though? If, if growth is so minuscule that we can't see it, then how is it possible that we have to mow our yards twice a week? How is it possible that sometimes you're, you have to get a haircut more than once a month, right? How is that possible? Well, another truth that's not going to shock you is this. Significant growth is built by the accumulations of moments that seem insignificant. Moments that seem insignificant, when you add them all together, moments you might not even notice, when you pile them all together, can mean something significant, can be something meaningful. Okay, but let's say, um, for whatever reason... At church today, you get all fired up to get in shape. I don't know if you will. Maybe you will. Maybe you already are. I don't know. But let's say today's the day you think, I'm changing stuff. I'm going to go home, and you, you're going to blow the dust off your treadmill, and you're going to get on it, and you go home this afternoon, and you run for 30 minutes. Or maybe you only make it 10 before you throw up in a nearby trash can. But either way, you ran on the treadmill, and you decide, I'm going to work out today. Okay? Let's say that happens. 
You work out today. When you go to work tomorrow, you walk in there. Not a single person's going to go, Woo! Looking good. I don't know what you've been doing, but it's working for you. The only thing they might notice is that you're walking weird because you're so sore because you haven't worked out in who knows how long, right? So, but, but they're not going to say anything. Why? Because one workout is insignificant. One time trip to the gym, it's insignificant. It doesn't make the pounds just fly off. It doesn't make your muscles strong and tight. It doesn't make your cholesterol level just boom, go down immediately. One workout is insignificant. But if you go to the gym and exercise 30 minutes a day, five days a week for month after month after month, people will start to notice. Because when you add up all of that growth, it can mean something powerful. And this is not a truth that just applies to you know, how your body's working and exercise and eating right. This is a principle that applies to almost every single area of your life. Um, I learned in college that cramming for a test the night before was a great way to pass a test, but a terrible way to learn stuff. Do you have any classes I took in college and it's like, I, don't, I couldn't tell you one thing I learned in that class. That's my fault, because I thought one really intense study session, that'll do it. Yeah, I got it for the test, but then the information left. I needed to have slowly, over time, been reviewing and revisiting that information so it would stick in my brain. I go back now, and I'm learning stuff that I probably, at one point, at, for one night, knew in college, right? Um, I can't just take my wife on one big grand anniversary date every year and expect that to be the key to a successful marriage, right? No, key to a successful marriage are the daily conversations, the hugs, the gestures of kindness, serving her, loving her the way Christ has served and loved the church, right? Um, if you put $500 in a retirement account, that's not going to do a whole lot for, for your retirement years. But if you put $500 a month in a retirement account over and over and over again, month after month for decades, boom, that adds up to some serious wealth given time. If you add up insignificant moments, they can equal something significant. So the power of growth here is not just in the thing that you do. It's not just in the working out. It's not just in the investing money. It's not just in the studying, but it's in the consistency of doing those things. When you add them together, that's what makes them powerful. Now, this is, a, a, again, nothing earth-shattering here, but again, it, it's such a powerful principle that uh, we are not supposed to miss out on that the Apostle Paul talks about it in his letter to the Ephesians. If you want to get a Bible, go ahead. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, um, we're only going to look at two verses, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, but we're going to kind of pick them apart and take them a chunk at a time. And uh, if you want to get out a Bible, I think it'll be helpful for you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black one near you in the pew. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that one home. That's our gift to you. You can have that. Um, now, just so you don't think that I just am pulling two random verses out of the Bible and bending them and twisting them to fit to my sermon because I needed to have some Bible in my sermon, um, <clears throat> I want you to see that I, wanted, I took these in context. This is a very specific message that Paul is kind of using to sort of wrap up a longer section of teaching that he's been working through. He's been teaching about how Christians have a new life in Christ. So if you're a believer, that means you've had two lives, essentially, a life before Christ that was led by uh, your sinful temptations and urges, and a new life with Christ that is driven by your desire to be more like Jesus, to love your Heavenly Father, and to please your Heavenly Father. So Christians have a new life in Christ. And then he goes on to talk about how we should live every single day day if we want to make the most of that new life. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16, the apostle Paul says this. Look carefully then how you what's that word? Walk. 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, Paul uses this word walk to kind of signify how we live every day, okay? Our life in general is a walk. It's in it. We're, we're moving somewhere with life. Now, yes, one step might not seem like much, but if you take enough steps, it's going to add up and it's going to mean something. And so his point when he says walk, he uses it several times throughout this entire big chunk that, we've, that I just talked about. But his point is that every day, every decision you make, the ways that you treat people and the activities that you engage in, those are all steps in a certain direction, good or bad. The, everything that we do every day, that is a step in this lifelong walk that we are on. And yes, one step might be insignificant. One bad day of choices might be insignificant. But just because one step means or seems insignificant, we cannot let that fool us into thinking that the steps don't matter because the steps are taking us somewhere. I think the way Andy Stanley um, says it is that your direction determines your destination. Right? If I want to go to Florida, I can't get on the interstate and head north, essentially. But yet every day, we have these dreams and hopes for what we want to be, and we never connect what we hope to be in the future and what we want our lives to be like with those daily steps. We don't, you know, I hope my retirement years, I'm, I have enough money in the bank, and yet we spend our money frivolously on things, so there's nothing left over to invest. You see, we, we want one set of things, but we are moving in the wrong direction to attain those things. And so we cannot trick ourselves into thinking that the steps don't matter. One step might not get you very far, but if you keep adding those steps together in the same directions, you can cover significant ground. And that's the key to growing in any area of life. The key to significant growth is investing daily in the same small things. Add the word same in there, the same small things. Because you can't just invest in all random small things. The power of consistency is doing those same small things over and over again so that they add up. Now, this sermon series is not going to be about convincing you to exercise or eat healthier or invest in your retirement or be a better spouse or parent. That's not what this is about. I hope that happens. I hope this little principle helps you reshape how you live your life so that you understand the little things every day really matter. Um, but that's not the main goal of the series. The main goal of the series is to help you grow, spiritually speaking, to help you grow in spiritual maturity. I want every single one of us that are Christians in this room to be have an increased ability to be like Jesus. I want us to be able to walk in his footsteps, to love like he loved, to help like he helped, to serve like he served. And like any other area of your life, spiritual maturity takes time, and it takes consistency, and it takes some discipline. Um, but one thing I do want to make clear about spiritual growth is spiritual growth is not just Bible knowledge. Okay, I have known Far too many people who were well-versed in the Bible, knew all the stories, could quote verses for days on end, and they were cold and compassionless and proud because of it. That is not what it means to be a mature believer. It can, knowing the Bible, I think that can be a very helpful tool in growing, but you can't just isolate that. And sometimes in Christian churches, we tend to overvalue head knowledge, and we forget the, the driving factors, the overall direction that our lives tend to move. And so that's not just what I'm talking about. When I talk about spiritual growth, here's what I'm talking about. 
You grow daily in your love for God. You actually have an affection for the God you serve. You have a desire, a greater increasing desire to follow his will for your life. You have a desire to serve and sacrifice. You uh, have an increased ability or desire to have your thinking and your, mor- and your morality shaped by his word so that you think like God and you want the same things as God wants. Um, it's a change in your life from a me-focused life to an others-focused life. Those are the things that, are, that, that go into being a spiritually mature person. But again, that transformation takes time and it takes consistency. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he, doesn't, he tells us to pay attention to the walk. He says, pay careful attention how you're walking. Pay close attention to each and every step. He says that we need to actually pay attention to the directions we're moving, the steps we're taking, so that we can accurately judge whether or not what we want to be one day, where we hope to move one day, and those steps actually go together. He wants us to pay attention, to assess, and think about it. He wants us to have self-awareness. Now, as I was a kid growing up, I got taught lots of lessons. Please and thank you, you know, hold the door for people if there's somebody got their hands full, that kind of stuff. But nobody ever encouraged me to try to be self-aware, to try to understand what I'm doing with my life and to be careful about the direction that my life is moving and to actually try to be honest with myself about my shortcomings and my strengths so that I could fix the shortcomings and make the most of the strengths. Nobody ever talked to me about that. But I think it's a huge huge part of being a mature follower in Christ. And he says, we pay attention to every step. This means things like, I pay attention to how much TV I watch. I pay attention to how often I get lost playing games or swiping on my phone and getting, you know, diving down the depths of Facebook stalking or whatever it might be, right? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. This means I actually keep track of how I talk to my wife and the tone I use with my kids. This means I, uh, I ask myself, how often am I praying? Like, for real. Like, am I, do I pray just when things go bad and I'm like, God, help? Like, is that my only prayer? Or am I actually praying so that I can have God, ask God's help to shape and remold my life? Um, uh, how well would the people in my life say I showed the fruit of the Spirit? Um, if, if, if people were to describe me, or, or would they say that, you know, I was someone who was, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things that Christians are supposed to have just kind of oozing out of their, their lives and their personality. Would people say that I fit those? Because if I don't, that means something's wrong with me, spiritually speaking. That means I'm not letting the Spirit guide my life. And so I've got to be someone who asks questions of how am I doing in my walk. We've got to pay attention to the steps. It's an honest self-evaluation. What kind of person are my choices shaping me to be? And then in verse 16, he says, make the best use of your time. You take every possible moment, and don't you waste a second of it. The the literal translation is to redeem the time, seize it back. He says, why? Because the days are evil. Meaning, if you just decide uh, to unintentionally, if you decide, I'm just going to float, I'm just going to let life take me where it takes me and everything's going to be okay, you will not accidentally be more mature at the end of that journey. You will not accidentally grow uh, in your ability to follow Jesus. You will not accidentally become the person that you hope to be one day. That's not how life works. The flow of life will take you in the opposite direction of where you want to go. You will not accidentally one day grow up being more humble and a better servant. You won't one day wake up and be a better husband or wife or parent. Those things just don't happen. The days are evil. The flow of our world is in the opposite direction of godliness. 
And so he says, if you waste a second, you're going to be floating away from where you want to be. Do not waste a second. Grab a hold. Seize every possible moment because that's what you need if you want to move in the direction you need to move. Because you and I, we will always have a natural tendency to go the wrong way. Um, You know, it amazes me how we have an ability to do the right things occasionally and the wrong things consistently. I mean, how many times you how many how many times have you been on a diet? You know? Why? Because you got all gung ho and you did the right thing for 2 weeks a month. How many of you have had have paid for months of a gym membership that you never went to the gym? Yeah, I mean, how many times have you, you know, worked far too much? You know, how many? There's all these things that we do that we should not do, and we do those great. But the things that we know are right, we can get little bursts of them every now and then. But for the most part, we get the burst, and then it ends, and we go right back to who we used to be. Okay, it's weird. You know, we go back to being people who are doing the wrong things consistently. And here's what I notice about the wrong things: is that when you add those up, they don't really add up to anything meaningful. There's no meaningful uh, thing to show in my life for all the hours I spent on Facebook. There's nothing meaningful. I've never once said, you know what, I am so glad I played all those free iPhone games. Man, that really, all the times I've spent trying to beat that Hot Wheels racing game on my phone, that has changed my life, God bless it. Oh man, God bless Hot Wheels. You know, I've never said that, because why? It doesn't add up to anything meaningful. I have, you know, there's nothing that benefits your life from all of the Netflix shows that we binge watch. There's just, it's, it, it's fun, yes, and I'm not saying those are wrong or evil, but if those are the things we're going to let control our lives and be the major focus of who we are and how we spend our time, those aren't going to lead us to anything significant and meaningful as we go through life. We have got to be people who understand the key to significant growth is investing daily in the same small things, and they've got to be the right things. Okay, so if that's true, if the key to significant growth is investing in the same small things every day, then maybe you ask, okay, Anthony, what are those small things? Well, there's some things that are basic that we talk about all the time. Things that, again, we know we should do. Again, things that we've probably had spurts of, like reading the Bible. Um, I don't, I will say this, I don't think you have to read the Bible to be a Christian. There were a thousand plus years of Christians not having a Bible, most Christians being illiterate, But we live in an age that is different than that, and we are blessed. You have access to a Bible right now that you can take home and have with you every day. That is a privilege that most Christians have not enjoyed. We have God's Word in our pockets, on our phones. You have so much access to God's Word, it is ridiculous. So you don't technically have to read the Bible to be a Christian. But if God is blessing us with such an abundant ability right now, why would we not take advantage of it? So we have this ability to read the Bible. And I understand the Bible can be really difficult to read, okay? But you know how you get better at things that are difficult? You do them, right? That's, that, that, we understand that with so many things, but we read open the Bible, oh man, I fell asleep before the first page is over. I'm never doing that again. Like, no, that's not how you get good at something, okay? You read it and you understand it. Um, another one that we get in spurts of is prayer. Things that go bad in your life, boy, I'll bet you hit a good spurt of prayer every night. Dear God, help. Dear God, take it away. Dear God, fix it. Things get a little better, the pain gets a little worse, and then we forget for days and days and days until we go to church or until somebody reminds us, oh, we've got to pray for dinner, you know, that kind of stuff. We go in spurts. But why would we not have this, uh, take this ability to talk with our Heavenly Father? We have an open line of communication that goes through Jesus to our Heavenly Father to talk with the one who created the universe and put all your cells into place. 
Why would we not talk to him and throw our cares to him and put our trust in him and try to be more like him, ask for his help as we go through this daily mess every day? Another one I think that is incredibly helpful is being a part of a church family. And I don't mean going to church. Going to church is an event in the calendar. Being a part of the church is understanding that the church is the people. And when we come together, we can encourage one another, help one another, pray for one another, serve one another, and just make our lives better by coming together and helping each other follow Jesus more closely. That is huge. I have been so blessed by being a part of this church, and many of you have too. Being a part of a church is a huge thing to keep us on track and moving in the right direction. You know what? I could put these up here and make it a little easier, right? Here we go. So those are the first three. I got one more. Figure out your sinful tendencies and fight them tooth and nail. And that's a little broad statement. But most of the things that move you in the wrong direction, most of those wrong steps you take come from these little sinful tendencies of selfishness, pride, anger, greed, jealousy, all these things that you, you don't want to be a jealous person, you don't want to be a prideful person, you don't want to be a greedy person. But yet, those daily steps when we entertain those sinful tendencies are the things that draw us away from God and in the wrong direction. And so we have got to be people who are, again, self-aware enough, who are paying attention to our steps so that we know what our sinful tendencies are so that we can fight them tooth and nail because we acknowledge those are dragging us away from God. Those are wasting our time. The days that we could be getting closer to our Creator and making a difference in the world around us, those, are, those steps are stealing us away, and we can't waste a second of that. And so we fight them tooth and nail because they are seriously damaging us. Now, how do we do that? Okay, well, one of the best books I've ever read to help you do this is The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. It's, it was written, I, th I think I came across it in college on accident because I was doing one of those cramming things that I talked about earlier not to do. And this is one of the examples of coming across something that while cramming that like changed my life. It really was so, I guess there can be good with cramming, maybe, but that, don't take that, that's not the lesson. Don't take that home, college kids and high school students. Um, but, but it's a great book that kind of helps you identify the things that pull you the wrong direction and gives you very creative ways how you can fight them every day. Okay, for instance, let's say you're somebody who struggles with impatience and you get irrationally angry anytime something gets in your way and slows you down, you know, how dare that person pull out in front of me and go the speed limit? The speed limit! Like a snail! You know, like, like how dare they? Okay? And so John Ortberg would say in that book, if that's, if that's you, then you need to do things that fight that tendency on the daily. Things that might seem meaningless in the long haul, like, okay, if that's you, you're, you're impatient. Get in the long line at the grocery store. Not the self-checkout where you can boop, boop, boop and get out the door. You find the lady who's telling every single person about every detail of her grandkids' lives. They're, she's eight deep in full carts. You get in that line and you just take it. You just sit there and you move at her speed. And you don't say anything. You don't get mad. You just grit your teeth and endure. That's good for your soul. Or you get into the right lane when you're driving, which is the one you're supposed to be in most of the time, and you commit to not passing anyone. Oh, right, yeah. I love the groan that happened over on this section right over here, okay? All uh, right. And, and, like, and if you really want to take it far, you can say, even in harvest, I'm not passing tractors. And some of you are like, no, that's too far, Anthony. No, I'm not doing that. This is ridiculous. I'm out of here. You had me until that. But, 
But, but think about it. I mean, those are little things, insignificant things that challenge that part of your heart that wants to drag you in the wrong direction. Um, let's say you tend to be somebody who struggles with ingratitude, and you kind of tend to think the world owes you something. One thing you can do is just being a person who commits to saying thank you to every single person, no matter what, how, no matter how small of a thing they give you, okay? If you're at a restaurant and the waitress or, or waiter brings you straws, instead of thinking, well, that's their job to bring me a straw, you say, hey, thanks for the straw. I appreciate that. They bring you a refill before your, refill, your drink is empty. Instead of thinking, that's their job. You say, thank you for the refill. I really appreciate you being on the ball. You say thank you for every little thing. You fight that, that demanding ingratitude that is within, that is within you. Um, another thing you can do to battle ingratitude is decide, I'm not going to buy anything except necessities for a month, two months, a year. I've known people who went on spending fast because they felt like ingratitude had taken over their life. And they decided that they would buy food for their family, they would pay the electric bill, and unless they, like, blew the back out of, like, a suit pant that they needed for work, they weren't going to buy clothes. They were going to wear everything. They were only going to buy the necessities. That is a very challenging, very difficult thing to maintain if that's uh, a desire of your heart. Let's say pride is your vice, okay? If pride is your vice, something you could do would be to lean in to the activities that you don't want to do. Your kids wake up in the middle of the night. I'm hopefully not the only one in this room suffering from that little problem. Some of you are. Some of you are past that. Some of you have been there. I've heard stories. Um, they're, by the way, they're not going to be climbing in my bed when they're 18, right? That goes away. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so much better. Um, but so your kids wake up in the middle of the night. Instead of pretending you're a zombie even though you hear them, get up. Serve your spouse. Serve your kid. Take them back to bed. Casey. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just reached out on a limb there. I don't know. But, because I've never done that. Not me. I, I really am that sound of a sleeper, right? Yeah, that's me. Um, but, but that fights the pride. That thing, I want to avoid that. I want to get out of that. So lean into the things you want to naturally avoid. Another good trick, if pride is your vice, is to hold your tongue. Now, I, like I said, I've been getting in trouble for talking this is as far back as I can remember. I couldn't, I've never been able to keep my mouth shut. And there's reasons for that, and pride's probably one of them. But <clears throat> do you know how often we open our mouths for no other purpose but just to let other people know how smart we are? Do you know how, how often we, we hear a conversation and we just take that conversation so that we can tell an even more impressive story about ourselves? Well, that's pride. That says, people need to be blessed with my knowledge. People need to think better of me than they already do. It's all about me. If that's a vice that you struggle with, then just make the decision to, for a season, consciously bottle up all that noise and not let it out into the world. Because, again, you're fighting tooth and nail the sins that lead you in the wrong direction. And we've all got them. I might have said yours. I might not have said yours. Whatever it is, we, there are ways that we can every day take steps in the right direction. There's the standards. Read the Bible. Pray. Come to church. Be a part of the church. But there's creative ways like getting in the long line at the grocery store. These little actions, these little moments, they're little. And they might seem insignificant. They might make little difference in the world, but if you're persistent, if you walk wisely and you make the most of every opportunity to serve and honor God, you will grow in amazing and powerful ways. 
Because I want you to grow into the best version of you. I want you to be the man or the woman that God created you to be. I want our church to be healthy because we are healthy. I want our church to be healthy because we are experiencing real, positive life change. Because we are moving in the right direction. We are walking in the right direction. But some days if you get up and you look in the mirror and you don't see much different, and it's disappointing, don't be too disappointed. Growth takes time. It's hard to see growth in the moment. Be patient. Be disciplined and just keep walking daily as much as you are able in the direction of Jesus. Because though each step might not be much, each and every step matters. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this lesson on steps. Paul tells us to walk the right direction, to be wise with our time. And I pray that we would not be people who waste our lives, people who who miss opportunities on the daily to take steps in your direction. Sometimes we neglect the daily things because we think, oh, this one choice, that one time I got mad, that one thing, mean comment I said, that hurtful way I spoke to my kids, just one thing doesn't matter. But if we make a habit of it, if we are consistent with the wrong things, or if we don't pay attention, we're going to move far away from you and far away from the person that you've designed us to be. And so, Father, I pray that you would fill us today with conviction, conviction not to waste a single second, because how we grow in maturity, how we grow in any way possible is by consistently investing in the right things. So help us, Father, to be aware of where we're falling short. Help us to be aware of the steps we're taking that aren't going to take us anywhere good so that we can daily make changes, so that we can daily take little steps that are going to lead to big gain over time. Thank you for being a God who leads and a God who shows us mercy on the days even when we take the wrong directions. We pray all this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.